you have your Bibles, grab, grab them quickly. Flip to John, the gospel according to John chapter 4. Come on, if you're excited for the word of God this morning, make some noise. Put your hands together. Amen. John chapter 4. We're just going to read one verse for the day and set our course. And we're going to cover a lot of ground, but we've got a short time to get there. So here we go. Verse 35. This is Jesus speaking, and he's speaking to his disciples. He says, do you not say there are still four months and then comes the harvest? Behold, I tell you, raise your eyes and see the fields that they are ripe for harvest. Hallelujah. You know, one of the things I was thinking about about the harvest is a lot of times when we talk about the harvest in church, we get really excited, like something's coming to us, right? Like, oh my gosh, I'm so excited. The harvest is here. The harvest is here. I'm going to get to eat. But you know, one of the things that the Lord started to speak to me about was in harvest time, it's the hardest time to work. Like a farmer doesn't take a break on the harvest. I mean, we, we get it because most of us aren't farmers. But, but the farmer, they know that on the harvest, when the harvest is ready, they got to go. They work longer hours, longer days in order to, to get the harvest in. And, and Jesus is telling us, lift our eyes and see the fields that are ripe for harvest. In other words, it's not time for us to sit back, rest on our laurels, about us consumed with what we've got going on in our lives because the, the fields are ripe. They are ripe for harvest. There's many people, many people that need to hear this message of the gospel of Jesus Christ. Father, I pray today that you would help me to articulate this word exactly the way you gave it to me. And I pray you would stir it up, stir it up like a fire shut up inside of our bones, Lord, that we can't be quiet, that we get excited about it as we open your word, knowing you're gonna reveal yourself to us through it. And I pray this morning I would decrease so that your spirit would increase in this place so that your word would go forth sharper than any two-edged sword. I pray that, Lord, that it would pierce straight to our hearts. Hallelujah, that it would find fertile soil so that it would produce a crop, a fruit for your kingdom, 30, 60, and even 100-fold. In Jesus' mighty name, I pray. And everybody said, Amen. Amen. Before you're seated, hug three people. Once you tell them this, say, you're the church. You're the church. Tell them like you got some attitude. You're the church. Yeah, come on. Good morning, CWC. Well, man, I am so thankful that you're here. So thankful for what God is doing in you and through you. Amen. 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 And can I tell you this? It's it is so good to see you in the house of God this morning, but, but can I t- also tell you this? I hope you leave the house of God this morning challenged, challenged by the word of God. Come on, look at your neighbor. Say, you're about to get challenged. You're about to get challenged. Just a disclaimer. I'm going to put you on front street. Just let you know what's about to come down the pipe so that you're, you're ready for it. No, I, I've preached harder messages, so <clears throat> no, but. Listen, man, so we're, we're less than one week away from the Tyrone Carnival. Less than, less than one week. And how many of you realize this, that it says, it's a, the, the, the title of it is 
is the Tyrone Carnival, like I just said. But then in the small print, someone say small print. <laughs> see, it's in the small prints where they get you. You know what I mean? Like, you see, it's in the small print that they, they get you to sign up for things you didn't realize that you signed up for. But, but in the large print, right, we say the Tyrone Carnival. But then in the small print, it says hosted by Community Worship Center. And not that we were trying to hide the commitment from you or anything like that, but it just looked better graphically. And so it just gave me a good illustration to talk about it. Hosted by Community Worship Center. This is a very important part of the equation, this hosted by Community Worship Center. Because if it said, and it only said, the Tyrone Carnival, that would mean this, that anybody in Tyrone could help at it. And anybody could, could, could you know, play a part in this event. But it, but it doesn't say that, although some of us probably wish it only said that. If I'm being completely honest, I would say at times I wish it only said that. Um, however, it, it, it doesn't. It says Tyrone Carnival hosted by Community Worship Center, simply meaning, man, it's what we do as the church, as the church in Tyrone and for our surrounding communities. It's what we do as the church. So how many of you here know our mission statement here at, at Community Worship Center? One, two, three. It's pretty good. It's better than the first service. It's better than the 830. <clears throat> like nobody lifted their hand. They're all like, no, I'm just kidding. It's actually not your fault. It's my fault, to be honest with you, because I don't promote it. I don't say much about it, but we're going to change that. I'm actually, I told Bree in the 830, make sure you make a note for me that we're going to make a decal of, of our mission statement so that every single Sunday we can come in here and read it so that we all can remember and be reminded of what we're doing here, why we are here and, and also to, to, to remind us of if we call CWC our home, then we are saying, hey, we will fulfill the mission. We agree with this mission statement. We're claiming that we understand our commitment to help fulfill the mission that God has given. Amen. And so, look, our, our mission statement is very, very simple which I, I think it should be. I think anybody should be able to, to read it and be able to understand it without a lot of context to explain it. That you could just read it right off the street and say, oh, okay, yeah, that, that makes sense. And so we made it very simple. And this is what it says. Could you guys pull it up for me, please, on the screens? Here we go. It says, our mission is to reach the people of Tyrone and the surrounding communities by showing the love and hope that comes with knowing our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. And so listen, so the Lord gave, gave me and my wife, Julie, this, this statement years ago. It was when we first became the pastors here. More specifically, God gave it to us um, at our very first Christmas uh, that we were here as the pastors because we were doing a little Christmas outreach, okay, at that time. And what we did was, as an entire church, our whole church, which just to give you a reference point, was 20 people at the time. And, and thanks to Sherry and Russie, they had 13 of them and their family. <laughs> so like, you know what I'm saying? Like, just to give you the reference point of how the church was at that day. And, and, uh, but we all decided, hey, we want to do something to reach our community. We even knew then on a, on a small scale, like we got to do something. We got to do something to get the message of the gospel out. And so what we did was, is we all brought our money together. We chipped in and we went and bought these little Christmas baskets and we put good food in it and, and some candy. And, and we also put those little cards in it with the mission statement in these gift baskets and went around and handed them out to a couple families and a couple, couple kids. 
And man, I got to tell you, we were really proud of that, man. I can remember it and, and thinking back on it, like, man, those were, those were really cool days. They were super fun, fun days. And, and here's what I've realized over the years is that because we were faithful with the little, now God has given us much. And, and, and he's not finished yet. The best is still yet to come here. And I'm excited about where God's taken us. But now our Christmas outreach isn't so little anymore. So now we have an outreach called the Jesus Isn't a Secret Shop. Again, very simple title. We're trying to show everybody that Jesus isn't a secret to us. We love him. We want everybody to know it. We're going to serve him and give him all of us all the time. And so that's what we called it. Jesus isn't a secret shop. And, and you know, what we do is over 40 families and over 100 kids get an entire Christmas. See, God took us from where we were giving out just a couple baskets to a couple families and a couple kids to giving entire Christmases to over 40 families and over 100 kids from beds to TVs to clothes to shoes to food to home products. Man, it's amazing what God has done. It's amazing to see what God has done. And it was, it was back then at that first Christmas outreach that God gave us our mission statement. And it's, it stayed the same even though the scale has changed, right? The scale has gotten larger but the mission has remained the same. It's remained the same. And, and I'll tell you what, we're gonna put it up one more time, our mission statement. Put it up one more time in the back, thank you. And this is, this is what it says, can you guys read it with me? Can you guys, can you guys see it okay? Read it with me, here we go. Our mission is to reach the people of Tyrone and the surrounding communities by showing the love and hope that comes with knowing our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. Sometimes it helps to say it, to get it deep within us. That's what it says because that's what we do. That's what we believe. See, see we're going to reach out to our communities here. We're going to reach out to them. We, we consider ourselves an outreach church. And so what that means is, is we don't just get to come in here on Sunday mornings and buoy each other up and worship and jump around and activate the gifts and all that is beautiful, but we're not going to do that just and sit here with it. We're not going to sit here just hanging out together on a Sunday morning. Instead, man, we're going we're gonna to come in. We're going to get built up. We're going to get equipped. We're going to get filled up with the power of the Holy Ghost, and then we're going to take it out there. Then we're going to go and fulfill the mission that God has, has given us right here, and we're going to run the race with endurance. CWC, this is, this is what we are doing. This is what God has called us to do. And guess what? This is why God has brought you here. This is why he brought you here. You might have thought that your girlfriend or your husband or your wife or somebody duped you into coming here. Maybe they had some small print <laughs> that you didn't realize what you were committing to. And now you're here. I'm telling you, God brought you here. And the reason he brought you here is because he wants to use you specifically use you. He wants to use us as the body, right, as the church to go and reach our community, to share with them Jesus. And it's just that simple. You know, Matthew chapter 5, verse 16, Jesus says this, let your light shine before all men so that they may see your good works and give glory to your Father, who is in heaven. The way I would say that Jesus is saying this, he was saying, let your Jesus shine. It's just that simple. Look at your neighbor, say, let your Jesus shine. Tell him. 
That's your Jesus shine. I like that. <clears throat> See, Jesus is called the light of the world. Called the light of the world. And if we've given our lives to Jesus, we've accepted him as our Lord and Savior. We've said, Jesus, I've surrendered my life to you. Now the light of the world lives in us. And so now we are called to go and be the light in the darkness. We're to go and show this, this light. And here's the truth. Because we're called to be the light, and a lot of people don't want to walk in here out there. They, 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 just, they just don't. What do we do? We go on their turf. We'll even go on their terms. We'll go right in the middle of the street and get them. And it's funny because they think it's their turf, but what they don't realize is that everywhere my feet tread, God gives me the land. So now I just took their turf, turned it into my turf because it's his turf. I'm going to take, take the gospel message to them, my God to them. But it's funny because people, they, they don't, they don't want to come into the church. You know, it's funny. I hear people say this to me. I've heard it literally. If I've not heard it 10 times, I've heard it 50 times. I'll invite them to church because I'm always saying stuff to people in the grocery store and down at the gas station. Hey, man, we'd love to see you come over to community worship center. It never fails. They always have an excuse. But, but one, of the, one of the things they, they say often people do, they say, well, I can't go to church because if I come in, the, the ceiling's going to fall on my head. <laughs> I love this other one. They say, no, no, if I go into the church, the whole place is going to be set on fire. God's going to burn the whole place down because all the wrong I, I've done. And I'm like, no, 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 actually, actually, God wants you to come in so that he can baptize you in the Holy Spirit and with fire. Yes, you got the fire part right. You're just misusing it. <laughs> God wants to set your soul on fire. Amen. Amen. But man, the, a lot of times the, the people in the world, man, they don't, they don't understand all that. And so they're not going to step, step inside of a church building. So that means we must take the church to them. We got to take it to them. And hear me, the only reason this building is called a church, the only reason it's called a church is because you're here. That's it. This building could be anything else. It could be anything else. But you and me, we make it the church because Christ lives and breathes in us. And so we're the church. It's not made of, of, of bricks and mortar. It's made of people, flesh, hearts surrendered to God. You know, it's funny. I was thinking about this, about the, the church. So back in, in Acts, in the early church, if you would have said to them, hey, let's go to church, they wouldn't know what the heck you were talking about. They looked at you like you're crazy. Like, what? But, but I'm the church. They knew they were the church, that it wasn't a building that signified them or symbolized them. No, no, no. It was them, that they were the walking, talking temples of the Holy Spirit. And man, I really feel like God's wanting to shift our mindset as the church to understand that we are the church, the people of God are the church. Come on, look at your neighbor. Say, you're the church. Tell them. You're the church. Listen to me, man. We, we are the church and not to be confused with we are Penn State, by the way, okay? <laughs> not to be confused. Not to be confused with that. But yeah, man, we, we need to shift our mindset to understand that we we are the church. The church isn't just a building. And so we are, this is why we can and why we should take the church to people. We go to them so that they can meet Jesus. Why? So that then they can be a part of the church. 
And this is how God multiplies his kingdom through you and through me. This is why he wants to use you. This is why he saved you, to go get more for him and for his glory. This is why we must be the light so that the people in our communities get to see the light. So they get to see it. And it's funny because we may have put the commitment in small print, like hosted by CWC on you. But Jesus puts our commitment in large red print. He's, he's clear. If you've got a red letter Bible, it's, it's, it's in bold right there for you to see what he is expecting of you. This is why he says, be the light. Be the light. Let your light shine before all. Someone shout all. Before all men, so that they may see your good deeds and glorify your Father in heaven. And I love that. I love that he says your Father. Because he could have very easily said my Father. Because he's the only Son of God. The only one. But yet, because he's the first dead among many brothers, right? Now we are brothers and sisters in Christ because of Jesus rose again. But he, he makes sure he puts the ownership back on us. He says, no, your Father in heaven, you do good works. You promote the gospel. You be the light so that people will glorify your Father. It's amazing. He says, because you're the church. You're the church. We host the Tyrone Carnival so that people will glorify our Father in heaven. Not so that we get a bunch of newspaper ads. Not so that we get this real nice write-up in the paper, which we're grateful for. It's a great write-up. Not so that we get a bunch of social media likes and clicks and yada, yada, yada. Not so that people from the outside look in and say, look how awesome that event is. Look how great they do it. And we will do it well, I promise you. If we're going to do it, we're going to do it well. But it's not for any of that. And all that's fine. And we're good with that. Cool. But man, that's not the point. We do it so people see it and give glory to our Father for it. Because I'm telling you, man, listen to me. If we are trying to do the good works to get people's recognition and people's praise, I promise you we will become stale and dry. Because people's you know, ad- adoration of us can only go so far. It doesn't last. It's, it's very fleeting. It's momentary. It's a well that will always run dry. But if we are doing the works that God sent us to do to glorify God, then God will be the one that sustains us. God will be the one that satisfies us. And listen, he's a well that never runs dry. He never runs dry. And in that John chapter 4 passage that we opened up with today, we're, we're going to look at that for just a little bit here and, and go through the, the, whole, the whole thing. But I'm going to have to paraphrase a lot of it because we just don't have time to do it. We're already 20 minutes into this thing. I only got like 15 more minutes with you, so... <clears throat> but we're going to go through it, and, and, and I'm encouraging you go home and read it, though, for yourself the entire way through the chapter because it's, it's just a beautiful chapter of what's happening. But Jesus says this again in verse 35 of John chapter 4. He says, do you not say there are still four months and then comes the harvest? Behold, I tell you, raise your eyes and see the fields that they are ripe for harvest. Now listen, I've said this to you many times in the past and I'll say it to you today and many times in the future. Context is so important. Context is so important, not only in scripture, but in life, by the way. 
Because without context, the content can be very, very easily misunderstood. I'm telling you, without context, the content can be easily misunderstood. This is why you can get a text message, and I dislike text messages a lot, right? Like if you're dealing with anything tough. Because a lot of times we'll get these text messages, and we'll read it without any context of what it's saying, and then we're up all night worrying about it. Like, why are they mad at me? I didn't do nothing to them. I didn't, I didn't, I mean, what's the problem here? I'm always good to them, and, and then they're short with me, only to find out the very next day that they had the roughest day of their entire life, that they were in the hospital all night long because a loved one was in a bad car accident. And so they didn't really have time to sit there and, and pet you and pat you. Instead, they just text you, hey, I'll get a hold of you later. And then once you see the context, you're like, oh, okay, yeah, had nothing to do with me. I worried all night about that for no reason at all. They weren't mad at me. They had, no, they had nothing to do with me, which is sometimes hard for us to understand that the world does not revolve around us. I think it does around me, but not around... <laughs> <clears throat> Man, con- context is so important in order to understand the content. And in John chapter 4, if you, you want to see the context, you jump clear back up at the very beginning. In John chapter 4, starting in verse 4 is, is, is where I'll point out first. As it says this, it makes this statement, Jesus needed to go through Samaria. Jesus needed to go through Samaria. Now, as he's on his way in his journey, going to his destination, the Bible says that he gets tired. And so he he rests from his journey at a well right outside of Samaria. Matter of fact, more specific, it was the city of Sychar, a city of Samaria. And as he's sitting and resting at the well, his disciples go on ahead of him to go get some food inside the city to to bring it back. While he's waiting and chilling at this well, here comes a woman, a Samaritan woman. This is the story of the woman at the well. If we've been in church any amount of time, we've heard this story read several times probably. But it's funny, right? Because she comes over, she has a seat, and Jesus says to her, hey, hey, give me a drink. So he says to her, hey, give me a drink. Pretty simple request, I would think. But this woman turns it into something different. She's like, well, well, why do you, a Jew, ask me, a Samaritan, a woman at that, for a drink? How can you ask me that? Now, again, context is really important. Why would she respond the way she responded to Jesus? Because it sounds pretty simple to me. Like, if you see me and say, hey, man, can I get a drink? And I got something to give you? Yeah, sure. Cool. Whatever. Have a drink, man. No. So why would this woman respond in such a kind of a a, a rude way, a little confrontational way. Like, how can you ask me? The context is very simple. There's a major racial divide between the Jews and the Samaritans. The Jews hated the Samaritans. The Samaritans hated the Jews. And so the Jews never associated with the Samaritans. And the Samaritans never associated with the Jews. Huge racial divide between these two groups of people. And can I just tell you, man, the enemy is so good at getting us to hate each other. My goodness, he's good at it. He loves to do it. He loves to. And oftentimes he uses race in order to do it. He really does. And he's still doing the same thing nowadays. The exact same thing because, you know what? Because there's nothing new under the sun. He don't have to change up his tactics because we all fall for it. So he ain't got to change it up. 
Now, instead of Jews versus Samaritans, now it's black versus white, white versus black, Democrat versus Republican, masked versus unmasked, vaccinated versus unvaccinated. Because after all, if you're a Democrat, you can't love Jesus. You can't know Jesus. There's no possible way. And if you're a Republican, then you're always racist. And if, if you get the vaccine and, and you wear a mask, well, you got zero faith. It's true. And, you, you know, if, if, you, if you don't wear a mask and you don't get the vaccine, guess what? You want to kill everybody on the planet. You're a mass serial killer. Like, so there's nothing in the middle? This is what the enemy's doing. And he's laughing all the way to the bank to get us fighting about it. To get us fighting about it. And I'm not vouching one way or the other. I'm just saying. He's using it to cause so much division right inside the church, let alone outside the church. And he's loving every moment of it. And even the powers that be on the earth, even they love us fighting one another because then they just get stronger as we're bickering over whatever. It's a message for another time. I won't go off on a tangent, but... But it's so true. But see the context in John chapter four, back on task. John chapter four, what's happening here? Jesus asking for this drink. The woman really doesn't know what he's asking because of the racial divide. And so what is Jesus doing? What Jesus is doing is he's trying to build a bridge, not burn a bridge. So he strikes up a conversation with this woman. Like, hey, this is a great way to build a bridge and to minister to her. Can I, can I, get, a, can I get a drink? Listen to me, if we want to show people Jesus and be the light in this world, we better be build, we better be bridge builders and not bridge burners. We gotta build bridges. Jesus in John 4, he's building this bridge between two racial groups, between the Jews and the Samaritans. This woman don't know how to react to it. She has no idea. So she said, she's like, Well, how do you ask me for a drink? And I love how Jesus responds. He responds to her by saying this, well, if you knew the gift of God that was asking you for a drink, if you understood who it was who was asking you for a drink, you would have asked him for a drink and he would have given you a drink of living water. So here this woman is going to the well for a drink of water and runs smack dab into the living water. It's amazing. But again, context is so important in order to understand the content. This woman had no idea who he was. She had no context for who this man was saying to her, if you ask me for a drink, I'll give you a drink of living water. She had no idea. And so she misunderstood the one who was speaking to her. He's trying to reveal to her that he is the Messiah. He's trying to reveal that he is the first and the last, that he is the alpha and the omega. He's the beginning and the end. He's trying to reveal to her that he's the only son of God. See, he knows he's the lion of the tribe of Judah. He knows he's the king of kings and the Lord of lords. But she didn't, she didn't understand what he was saying because she had no context for him. And after he says to her, he says, I'll, I'll, I'll give you a drink of living water. How I know she has no clue what he's saying is the next word out of her mouth was, Sir, you don't have a bucket. This is what she says to the living water, the king of kings. Like, how can you give me a drink of anything? You don't have a bucket, sir. She was so fixated on satisfying herself with a momentary pleasure with something that could only satisfy her temporarily. 
that she almost missed the one that wanted to satisfy her every need forever. She almost missed him. See, her focus was only on a well. Her focus was on a well, not the well. The thing that she always had gone back to. The thing that she had always went and drank from. But the problem was with this well was she had to keep going back to the well day in, day out, day in, day out, day in, day out in order to be satisfied for moments, sustained just for moments. And you know, I wonder how many times do we do this very same thing? God's trying to reveal to us who he is, who we have living on the inside of us trying to reveal to us that, that he can satisfy our every need, that he can satisfy our every hurt, that, that he can sustain us in every, every bad season, broken season of our lives. But we're so fixated on a well that we've always ran to for momentary satisfaction that we keep running back to it. So we keep running back to the drugs. We keep running back to the alcohol. We keep running back to that bad relationship. And we just keep running back and back. Keep finding ourselves trying to to receive satisfaction just from momentary things. Things that are just temporary. And the whole time God is saying and trying to reveal to us, if you would just come to me. If you would just focus on me, on the well instead of a well. If you would stop running to the marijuana to get rid of your anxiety. If you would stop drinking the alcohol to to mask the pain and the hurt that's inside of you, then I would come and bring you a drink of living, living water. And you would never be thirsty again. You would never have to go back to that old well like you've had to up to this point in time in your life. Because I'm the well that never runs dry. This is is what he's, he's trying to reveal to us. We don't need a well, we need to run to the well. And then he looks at the woman and he, and he tells this woman, he, he says, hey, go get your husband. Go, go get him. She says, well, I, I don't have a husband. She says, he says to her, oh, you actually, you answered correctly in saying you have no husband. You actually have had five husbands and the man you're living with now is not even your husband. How many know if it's five husbands, it's a pattern. It's not a bad choice. Jesus was trying to break the pattern. He was, he was trying to break that this, this well that she kept running to was bad relationship after bad relationship, trying to fix something that they, they, couldn't, they couldn't fix for her, trying to receive some kind of satisfaction for a momentary need, but it never lasted. And so she had to hop from relationship to relationship, kept going back to that well over and over again. And Jesus is like, man, you no longer have to do that. And if you remember at the very beginning of John chapter 4 and verse 4, we laid the groundwork with where it said that Jesus needed to go through Samaria. If you looked at a map, because I did, of old Bible times and where Jesus was headed from Judea to Galilee, you didn't have to go through Samaria. Matter of fact, it took you out of the way a little bit. It wasn't like he had to go through there because there was no other way. No, no. It said he needed to go through, through there. Why? because of this woman. He needed to go through Samaria so that he could get this 
woman. Because hear me, Jesus' destination is always people. And it's always been people. Always. For God so loved the world, the entire world, not because it's pretty and not because it's nice and not because of all the cool animals. No, no, no. He loves the world because of everybody in the world. He loves the entire world and everybody in it. He loves black, white, Democrat, Republican, masked, unmasked, vaccinated, unvaccinated. He loves every one of them. For God so loved the world that he gave his only son so that whosoever, so that whosoever, whosoever, anybody believe in him would never perish, but have everlasting life. Never have to go back to the old well, but be satisfied and sustained in who he is. See, Jesus was showing just how important this woman was to him. She was so important that he, he needed to go through Samaria. She was so important that, that he sat and took the time to sit at a well and wait for her in the heat of the day. It was the sixth hour, one o'clock, hot. To wait on her to get there. He went to where she was. He went to where she was going to be. He went to where she felt comfortable because she always went to that well. She kept returning to it. So she was comfortable at it. So he went there. Just to tell her, I'm the Messiah. I'm the well. You don't got to run to a well anymore. And see, this is, this is the reason we do the Tyrone Carnival, man. So that we go to where the people are. Where they will be. Where, where they feel comfortable. We'll go to them right there to tell them about Jesus. Because if we stay seated in this church... We will not be an effective light. We will not be. We will not be the church. So we, we've got to care. We've got to care enough about them to go get them. We've got to care enough about them to take the time to go get them. Just to simply reveal to them him. That's it. Just to take him to them. That's the point. This is how we are the church. This is how you become, you are the church. And see, Jesus is trying to reveal all this to her. And as he's revealing to her that he's the Messiah, she's obviously feeling very special that he came all this way to, to be there with her. And now she sees it, oh my gosh. And she gets so excited, she takes off sprinting into the city. And begins to tell everybody that she meets, everybody she runs into. Man, I met a man. Probably most people are like, I bet you did meet a man. <laughs> and we're judgmental people, man. So right off the bat, oh yeah, I bet you did meet a man. <laughs> What's Billy think about that? Your new guy. She says, I met a man who told me everything I'd ever done in my entire life. Which is kind of funny. She had a, an evangelist take right off the bat. She embellishes. <laughs> right off the bat. So, so, so he didn't tell her everything she ever did. He told her that she had five husbands. But she was like, he told me everything, everything I ever did. Could it be the Messiah? This is how she poses it as a question. Could it be the Messiah? And as all this is happening and going on and 
All this is, is, is this beautiful scene with Jesus and this woman at the well and her running to tell all kinds of people. Here come the disciples walking back with food, with a happy meal. Jesus, I got you. Here's some Chick-fil-A. We'll make it more spiritual. <laughs> so it's not a Sunday because it's closed. It's a different day. But they come back and they're like, hey, we, we, we got you some food. But it's funny because as they, they, they come back, they're thinking to themselves. They don't say it, but they're thinking to themselves, well, this is really bad, Jesus talking to this Samaritan woman. Because if the Jews see him speaking to her, hmm, they won't receive anything from him. But they don't confront him. Instead, they just think it about him. And then they change the subject on him. They're like, here, eat the Chick-fil-A. Eat. Rabbi, eat. And they're trying to shove it in his face. And I love his answer because he turns and looks at him and he gives... He gives the greatest Jesus okey-doke ever. He says, I have food you know nothing about. I don't want your chicken nuggets. You're number one with a Coke, right? Or a number one with a sweet tea. Like, I don't want that. I don't need that. I have food you know absolutely nothing about. And what's funny to me is this, that just a moment ago, he's talking to the woman at the well about water. But now he's talking to his disciples about food. Hmm. He's talking about two things back to back that we need daily to satisfy us and sustain us. Just to meet our basic need. Just to meet our basic need. And what he's trying to reveal there is very simple. Those things, food and water, are temporary. But me, I'm for eternity. I'll satisfy you in every season of your life. You'll never have to return to these other wells because I'm the well that never runs dry. See, we've got to go and drink water every 30 minutes. We've got to eat every four hours, right? Yeah. This is what we have to do, and those two things are just temporary. This is what Jesus is saying, but I'm better than all those things. I have food you know nothing about. And just like the woman at the, the well, right, Jesus is trying to reveal to his disciples, like, hey... You can come to me. I'm the well that never runs dry because the well that they were fixated on wasn't water, it was food. They were focused on the, the well of food. And he's like, no, no, I will satisfy you and I will sustain you. You won't even need that. These poor disciples don't know what to think. Like they, they, they don't get it. They just don't get it. They don't. You know why I know? Because of what they say to him next. Well, did somebody else bring you food? <laughs> he's like, I'm the bread of life. Like, what are you talking about? Did someone else bring you food? And Jesus, he says, my food is to do the will of him who sent me and to accomplish his work on the earth, to fulfill the mission that he's called me to do. He says, my well is the living word of God. I'm focused on his will and I'm focused on doing his work and I'm fixated on being the light in this dark world. This is why I don't need the well of water and I don't need the well of food. Because I know who satisfies me and I know he'll always sustain me. This is what he's revealing to his disciples. That's when we get to verse 35. <clears throat> and he says to them, don't you have a saying? Or don't you say, there are still four months and then comes the harvest. Behold, I tell you, raise your eyes and see the fields that they are ripe for harvest. The disciples are so focused 
on the well of food. And Jesus is trying to get them fixated on him. They were so focused on trying to get momentary satisfaction. And he's saying, no, 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 there's something better. There's something better. And because they were so fixated on momentary satisfactions, they were missing the mission. They couldn't see the fields. They couldn't see them. And so he says to them, lift up your eyes. Stop focusing on your well. Fix your eyes on me so that you can now see the mission that I've called you to do. Don't let racial divide stop you. Don't let politics stand in your way. And don't let a mask muzzle you. Because hear me, the mission is the most important thing you could ever do. Is the mission that God has called you to do. And what's crazy, right? So when they lift up their eyes, right? When they lift up their eyes, because remember, this woman was off evangelizing to people, bringing them to Jesus. They come back with food and their, their heads are all down. And he says, lift up, up your eyes. And what do they see? Do they see, do they see a field? He's like, the fields are ripe with harvest. Do they, do they look up and see a big wheat field or a corn field? No. You know what they see? They see people walking in droves, flooding. Samaritans, the ones that they're supposed to hate, the ones they're not supposed to like, the ones with all the differences coming and flooding towards them. All these people trying to make their way to Jesus. And Jesus says, do you see the fields now? Do you see the reason that I put you here on this earth? Do you see the reason that I saved you, that I've called you, that I've brought you out of the darkness and into my marvelous light? Do you see now the fields are ripe for harvest? These people need to hear about me. These people, they need to receive me because these people need me because they keep running to a well and I'm trying to give them the well. So stop focusing on your own well so that you can start seeing the mission that I've called you to do as the church. And I wonder how often do we do this very thing, how often we're so fixated on a well, on our own well. How often so fixated on what we need and how we get our sustenance and how we are satisfied. I wonder how often we've been so focused on these wells that we miss the fields, that we miss them. And I really feel like the Lord's like today, shift your focus. Shift, shift it. Start, start focusing on me so that you can see what I've called you to do. Because listen to me, when we're so fixated on our well, all we can see is right in front of our face. It's just about me. It, it's only about me. Why, why aren't I getting what I need? Why, why aren't I getting the accolades that I deserve? Why, don't, why? Why aren't they playing the songs that I like? Why aren't he preaching a message I want? Why do they got the lights moving? I don't like it. And the haze going off. I don't want it. When we get so fixated on ourselves and our own well, we miss the fields that God has in front of us. See, a lot of times we fall into the mindset at church that church is just about us. It's about what makes me happy. It's about what sustains me. It's the well. It, it, it actually turns into a well. The church will turn into the well. It's better said, it will turn into a well. It can't be the well. He's the well. But it'll turn into a well. This is where we'll come just to get our momentary satisfaction. 
are momentary to, to just sustain us for the week. And then we got to come back in and do it all over again. While other people come in and they cross their arms like, go ahead and try to bless me, boy. You know what I mean? I, I'm like, praise God, amen. I'll try. But this is, this is what we do. It becomes a well in our life focused on us being satisfied. Focused on what's happening inside that we miss what God is calling us to do outside. So inward focused. So focused on us being fed that we miss the mission. Listen to me, some of the time that's great, man. Some of the time that's great, man. I want you to come in on Sunday mornings and get fed. I really do. I hope you enjoy the word that God gives me. I hope I, hope I flavor it for you. I hope it's juicy and nice for you. I hope it satisfies you and sustains you. But man, at the end of the day, I, I hope you take it, receive it, and then take it out and give it to somebody else. And I want you to, I want you to enjoy the presentation of it. I work hard on this stuff. Maybe you can't tell. But man, I want you guys to, to take it and take it out there, man. Don't leave it in here. Don't hoard it for yourself. So often in churches, man, we're so worried about us being fed and us getting fat on the word of God that we miss taking it out there and feeding others what we've been fed. It's just true. And I really feel like, man, the Lord wants to shift this. Shift our focus to understand that we are the church. Shift your focus to know you are the church. And your mission is to come in here to get built up, to get equipped, and to get fed so that then you can go out there to the community and reach out to them. To build them up, to equip them, to feed them. That's the point. This is how God multiplies his kingdom. Exponentially through you. Through me. That's our mission. So that's why our mission statement says what it says. Our mission is to reach the people of Tyrone and the surrounding communities by showing them the love and the hope that comes with knowing Jesus. It's just that simple. It's just that simple. Go ahead and stand to your feet, please. The context of this entire chapter in John chapter 4, the context is Jesus is trying to reveal to us our mission on this earth. The whole thing is. And so every single bit of the content is speaking from the context. It's all trying to point us to there. Stop running to a well, run to the well, so that you can see what's in front of you, so that you can see that the fields are ripe for harvest, so that you can see that there's people hurting, there's people broken, there's people addicted, and they need to meet the well. And you're the one you're the one God has chosen you to go and tell them about it, that there's a better way. There's a different way you can live your life, and you won't have to do it on your own. And we got a great opportunity this coming Saturday, a great opportunity. There'll be a couple thousand people, a few thousand people that will ascend on downtown coming to the carnival. And we're believing God for a couple hundred decisions for Christ. We are. We had over 150 in 2019. We're believing for over 250 in 2021, right? Yeah, 2021. They all blend together when you get older. Over 250 in Jesus' name. But we need you guys to help us do it.
We can't do it on our own. See, when we start to understand that, that we are the church, that you are the church, when you understand that, it's no longer this mindset that it's the pastor's job. Well, Pastor Keith's job to do that. You no longer have this mindset that it's the greeter's job to greet people as they come in. No, you start greeting people. Hello, your voice works. Hello, how are you? Smile, I'm happy. We'll fall out of the mindset when we understand we're the church, that it's somebody else's job to to minister to community kids. Somebody else's job. No, it's your job. Because God said so. Not me. That's the word of God. If you're angry about it, tell him about it. And here's what I found. Here's what I found. And I promise you, I'm not lying to you. And you'll find out. When you start fulfilling the mission that God has called you to do, stop being so inward focused on building your brand, building your business, messing with your careers. That's all fine. But when you start working outside of that and for his kingdom, you'll be more fulfilled and more satisfied than you've ever been in your entire life. Because the Bible says it's more blessed to give than it is to receive. It's just the way of the kingdom. It's the kingdom principles of God. And look, man, we make it real easy for you guys, man. We, We put... QR codes on your seats with little cards. You just click, sign up, done. We set the table. We've done all the preparation, all the back work that's, take, that's taken us six, seven months to get to where we are. We've done all that. We've set the table for you. We just need you to show up and, and be the light. That's it. Just like Jesus, he set the tables for the disciples. They didn't even have to go get the people. He had another person go get the people. And then the disciples' job was to be the light to those people that were coming. We're going to have them come. We need you to be there to be the light. Take the opportunity to fulfill what God has called you to do. To be a part of the mission here at CWC. Amen. Amen. Father, I thank you for each and every person here. Lord, I thank you that their hearts are open to receive whatever it is you're trying to deposit in their hearts today. And I thank you that you're opening our eyes to fix our eyes on you so that we stop running to these other wells, but we run to the well. That we come and we drink from the living water that will spring up to eternal life with inside of us. And Father, I thank you for that today. I thank you. You're shifting our focus to you so that we can see that the fields are ripe for harvest. And I pray that you would put it in us to want to serve our communities and serve the people around us, no matter the differences, no matter our opinions. But rather the common denominator is is that Jesus gave his life as a living sacrifice so that they could be saved. And that he wishes not one to perish, but that all would return to repentance and receive eternal life through him. I pray, Lord, you would use us to bring many people into the kingdom next Saturday. Lord, we lift up the carnival to you even now. God, we pray that hearts would be open to receive your message, that people would see the light of you through us. Hallelujah. Start preparing the hearts of these people. We pray for many salvations in Jesus' name. We pray for breakthrough in people's life. We pray for chains to be broken off of people's lives in Jesus' name. We pray that, God. We pray that because we believe you can do it. We believe you can do all things. And so we're asking you for it. We also pray for good weather. Jesus, we need it. You've given it to us every year. So Lord, we speak to it again this year. We thank you for it. We'll give you the glory for it. 
Even the winds and the rains and the waves obey you. We ask for good weather. Lord, we love you, Jesus. It's all for you. Receive your glory and honor from us today, I pray. Bless your people. Strengthen them this week. Protect them. In Jesus' name, amen.